My name is Sean Jordan. Welcome to the Adaptive Outdoorsman Podcast. Here we'll be discussing the history and legacy behind disabled hunters, trappers, anglers, and how they adapt and persevere in the woods, on the line, and on the water. Welcome, everyone, to the podcast. I'd like to introduce a returning guest, U.S. Marine Combat veteran, Ryan Bodwin, a hardcore, and this is his words, not mine, waterfowl hunter, specializes in both photography and videography. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for having me back. It's definitely been something I've been wanting to uh, bring back on is returning guests, and it's been slowly but surely happening and I'm really excited to have you on. Tonight. Well, I mean, I gotta, I gotta give you a little plug here. Now that you're big time on the uh, Carver TV, congrats on that. Thank you. That's awesome. It's, yeah, it's been a long time coming. Uh, working on year two soon. So, here's hoping. <laughs> but for those of uh, people that are new or haven't uh, looked all the way back from episodes, well, we're. 66 now going on 67 ryan was with me episode nine back in may of 2022 so if you want to listen listen to that you can stop and go to that one or follow through with this so what has been new for you i know uh, we saw the wall benevolent beards contest yeah last year uh i entered a contest uh with wall trimmers uh, the Benevolent Beards Man of the Year contest. You had to uh, have a beard check. Uh, you had to work in nonprofit. Uh, you know, I run High Point Adventures, a uh, veterans nonprofit, taking uh, vets on hunting and fishing expeditions all across the country. So I had that covered. Mm-hmm. And uh, you had to submit a video, and I do all our media. Uh, so actually, the uh, there was a guy with a different nonprofit that saw it, and he was going to enter, and he's like, Ryan's a shoe in for this. So he, he messaged me about it. And lo and behold, after, you know, uh, interview process and, uh, you know, I mean, it was, it was pretty extensive to get to the final five and that was the national voting and, uh, won the dang thing. So they, uh, gave me a check for 20 K and then a check for 5 K for, uh, my nonprofit. So I've already spent the 20 K I'm taking the fam on a trip in March to Costa Rica I said that in an interview, and my wife held me to it. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, if I had won a uh, check for 20K, my wife and I would definitely be going on a vacation. I mean, all the trips I put on, the unsung heroes is my family, um, especially yeah. my wife. She, I'm gone, you know, 10 days in a row, then home for a week, home for a weekend, gone for a weekend. I mean, at least two trips a month and and you know she's the one sacrificing at home you know she gets Mm -hmm. frustrated a little bit and then she sees you know in the videos or uh, i've had her attend some events and she sees the 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 difference it's making and then you know then i get a little leeway after she can see it in, in motion yeah i understand that a little bit wife uh likes what i do with the podcast doesn't like the time away doing the podcast you gotta you gotta put the work in and put the time in to make everything go. Right. So, how has High Point Adventures been doing this year? How many vets have you taken out? Well, I mean, we started in uh, summer. We had uh, two different salmon trips: King Salmon on Lake Michigan, and, nice. and uh, one is growing into a yearly event. Uh, we started with three boats two years ago, and then we had five boats this year, and I think we're gonna have seven or eight. Uh, it just keeps growing. Uh, um, nice alligator in louisiana and end of august beginning september um and then i've got pretty much all september and october i run bear hunts in wisconsin and then then the road life starts um i did have my own elk tag this year in wyoming in october so i was out there in the bighorn mountains for two weeks uh came back from that and went to texas we ran a uh sandhill crane hunt well, I was working with a different organization, uh, UVA, Ultimate Veterans, Ultimate Veterans Adventures out of uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, Joe Westner yeah. is a awesome dude that runs that. We've met at a duck hunt. Um, I happen to be have I had to be down in Texas for our West Texas deer hunt, and the date lined yeah. up. So it was bam, bam. Came home from that. 
and saw the kids and the wife for a day and a half, put them on a plane. They went to visit family in Georgia, and I turned around and went to Arkansas, and I just got back from there on Monday night. So, I know you, uh, definitely you har- harvested a, a buck recently too. I remember talking to you. Well, last on year Instagram about that, I, I hadn't shot a whitetail in I want to say twelve years. Um, duck hunting is really my jam. I mean, I've put on lots of whitetail hunts. Um, yeah. In in 2011, my my father passed away, and our deer camp slowly died with him. And you know, I started yeah. duck hunting during the rut and during gun season because there's nobody in the marsh. And I just slowly stopped deer hunting. And I didn't ever think I'd actually like really ever shoot a big whitetail buck. I mean, I wasn't hunting mm-hmm. public land anymore during our Wisconsin season. And uh, took three purple heart vets down at West Texas. And uh, one of the vets that was in, in the blind with me, he shot his the first day. And then I, I was telling him, because he was like, what's the biggest whitetail you ever shot? And I was like, of all the crazy things I've hunted, I mean, I haven't shot a big whitetail buck. And told him kind of the story. And he told the, the rancher, uh, the ranch owner, and the ranch owner pulled me aside. And he's like, guess what? And I was like, what? He's like, you're hunting. And I'm like, no, this is my event. I'm not going to hunt. And he goes, no, I know. I know the story. You're going to hunt. So I shot the biggest deer of my life. Last year, um, the vet that I had in the blind with me the day he shot his was with me. And I'm going to tell you, I went full ham sandwich. Um, I, I was dry heaving. I was jittery. I was questioning my shot. Uh, you know, I said, mm-hmm. all right, we should, we should wait 15 minutes. And I was like, how long has it been? They're like, six minutes, bud. Like, <laughs> like it, and uh the, the vet that was with me said, you know, I've seen you shoot a mountain lion on TV. I've seen you shoot a zebra and not even, you know, not even flinch. And he goes, you're going full potato over a whitetail. And, and it, I didn't realize how bad I needed to feel that. Like, I felt like mm-hmm. a kid again. I, I got, I got buck fever. I got the nerves and the excitement. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, my, my father and, you know, deer camp, memories with my brother and my cousin and his grandpa and my uncle all that was like kind of going like flashing before my eyes as before before we went to pick actually put my hands on the buck and i mean my legs were jello (laughs) you know so i shoot my biggest buck ever and this year i went down to to run that hunt we were at a different ranch uh prior to the vets coming and uh, they said, why don't you guys go take a ride and go see if you can shoot a buck. And then I showed up and just absolutely dorks the one I shot last year. Um, and I, I was super stoked, super excited, but it was less, it was less emotional, even though, even though this one was bigger, uh, yeah. it was way less of a, uh, of a, of an experience than, than the one last year. The one last year, uh, that, that will stay with me forever. I mean, that, that felt like my first year and I needed that. Well, that's good. I mean, that's something you definitely want to have as a memory. It being in twelve years since you shot your first, your last whitetail. I know. I pardon. I got phlegm in my throat, but uh, I know. I get that feeling every time I shoot a buck. I mean, I had not shot a buck last year, and I shot one this year, and it was a crappy shot placement, but. So I literally looked for blood, no blood, and then I look over and there he is about 10 yards from me in the brush thinking he's hidden. So I backed out and waited the half hour time and there he was, Perfect. 10 points and 188 pounds before we cleaned him. There you go. That's a hoss. Yeah. How big was yours? Um, I mean, West Texas deer, they don't get the body size of Midwestern deer. I mean, they don't. They don't have to prepare for for the winter like like the deer up here do. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. he wasn't a massive bodied deer. He's, he was, I would say four and a half to five and a half. Uh, yeah. Probably close. He was probably four and a half. Uh, you know, a four and a half year old deer in northern Wisconsin is going to be pushing. You know, got the weight two hundred pounds. Yeah. It, it, I mean, they're just not. They don't have have that that mass that. Uh, the winter weight that uh, they need up here. So he wasn't huge. He was just uh, had a big old rack on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I noticed there the difference in that size. I mean, yeah, Indiana, Michigan, Wisconsin, 
they all are thicker, denser, and heavier. Oh, for sure. I mean, the buck I got this year, his heart is as big as my hand. And my hand can palm a basketball. Remember how we said the kids were probably going to interrupt? <laughs> yeah. Hey, close the door, bud. I'm on the phone, okay? No, no. you'll get out. Okay? Go let him out. Thank you. Close the door, please. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, I, I told you, you got kids in a row, right? Hey, we are ten minutes. In. There you go. Uh, yeah, you know how we got kids interrupting. I also got two dogs wanting to interrupt, playing with bones and growling at each other. Well, we just got a new so. puppy, so we're going through that that trials and tribulations. Two German shepherds. One's turning four this year, this month. The other one just turned one. Get your hands full. That's too big of a dog for me. <laughs> Both of them shedding. I you know, bet. The young one, he likes to chew on stuff, and he's got growing pains. Literally, it's something German Shepherds get where their body and certain limbs start hurting, and they limp for a long time till they get to two years old. I did not know that. Yeah. It goes away, like it comes and goes. It's like when we were kids growing up and our bodies hurt and then they went away and we were back to beating the crap out of ourselves. <laughs> so uh, tell me about the bear hunts in particular. Um, how many bear hunts did you host this year? Uh, it varies. Um, so the way the tag process works in Wisconsin, um, I think there's – Zone A through E. I only hunt in zone B, D, A, and C. And you know that like zone C, you can draw a tag every two years. There's just not as many there. Um, the, the the zones that are tougher to get are, are nine to twelve years of points. So a, a person puts in for points every year, yeah. and once they have enough to draw, they draw they draw the tag. And they're allowed to transfer the tag to a Purple Heart veteran. As long nice. as a Purple Heart, Heart veteran has not held a bear tag in the state of Wisconsin. Um, so, you know, it all, it all depends where we're at for tag donors. Um, we usually run two up in the northwest side of the state, which is a pretty heavily, densely populated area. Got a really nice lodge mm -hmm. up there. Um, it, we've got a guide up there that runs baits and dogs. Uh, Randy Search, uh, awesome dude. Um, so we run two Purple Heart Vets up there every year, no matter what. And then it's kind of how many zone C tags I can get my hands on, which are uh, the easier tag to get. Um, yeah. And so we ran one, two, three, four, five, five this year. Um, looking ahead to next year, I think I have 14 tags already, uh, which is nuts. Um, I've even had guys that, you know, hey, I've got 11 points. I'd like to donate my tag. Hey, could you – put one more point in then we can draw the, the toughest zone. Like I'm, I'm already manipulating and, and, and moving pieces around to allocate for tags two years from now. And when I first started, I'd find a hunt that I could run and then I'd have to find a tag and then I'd have to find a veteran. And we're, I mean, we're to the point now where like I have everything slotted up to two years ahead of time, which is crazy that it, it, we've gotten to that level. Um, yeah. I, I would like to say though, there's, there's probably, four or five nonprofits that all work together behind the scenes here. And then, you know, they're mm -hmm. getting, you know, people know where to send the tags to, but I may get a tag in a zone that I don't have any contacts in that I, or that's far enough away in the state that I don't want to run the hunt. Um, but you know, they've got a, a, a lodge there and they've got a guy that runs baits there. Everybody's working behind the scenes, like making sure, Hey, I've got this. I need that. I really need a zone D tag. And, and we make it happen, you know, that there's no fanfare. There's no, uh, like, you know, pat me on the back, everybody working together to make sure that yeah. as many hunts can be run as possible for, for vets or for, you know, kids with, uh, disabilities or, uh, you know, life-threatening illnesses. And it's, it's pretty cool to see that nobody's looking for the, the credit. They're just looking to make sure that, you know, Hey, I know I, I trust this guy or this lady, organization to run this and i've got extra tags for this zone they're yours make it happen and you know that that's pretty cool that that happens nice i mean 
it definitely showcases the camaraderie between nonprofits when there's a lot of communication going on. But, you know, because you hear some nonprofits talking, well, we don't talk very often, but when you get them talking, and like you said, I mean, everybody is sharing information. They're giving stuff that they need and everything else. I mean, I, I wish I could get a total of donated hunts that, you know, tags are transferred for, for both, you know, sick kids and, and vets and, and purple heart vets. Mm-hmm. Cause it, it, I, I don't even have a ballpark. Um, it, it's gotta be in the thousands every year. It's just in the state of Wisconsin. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So was there any memorable hunts that you went on this year for the bear? Uh, anything out of the ordinary, just <laughs> go in with the dogs shoot the bear like any adventure style so i had a, a marine vet um from uh california fly in and uh he had never really hunted prior to uh you know getting wounded and he's had mm-hmm. he's had a lot of opportunities and um but he never hunted bear and we get into the blind i usually don't rack around in my sidearm unless like i need to um mm-hmm. and we get in we sit down and I'm explaining to him like, all right, you know, the first bear that comes out, I mean, like, don't, I'm going to tell you which bear to shoot. Um, you know, they're, they're very tough to judge size, especially if there's no other bear to compare them to. I said, you know, like I'm I'm going to kind of feel it out, try to figure out which bear is which based off what we got on trail cam. And, uh, you know, the first one that comes out, like don't even draw a bead on it. Like let's let them get settled. Let's make sure it's not, you know, yearling or 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 cubs and a, and a sow, or if it's a sow, let's make mm-hmm. sure the cubs aren't hanging behind. And you know, two cubs yeah. came out, and he's like, "Oh my god, oh my god!" And I'm like, "Dude, like, all right, cool." And then the sow comes out, and he's like, "This is awesome." I'm like, "I agree." You know, like, you're you're watching mm-hmm. bear at 40, 50 yards, and one of us must have moved in our chair. And it, you know, made enough noise that it got her attention. I think she knew we were there already. And no, definitely. She, she stood up like on two legs. And then he's like, if this bitch comes in the blind, I'm shooting her. And I'm like, <laughs> calm down, dude. Like, because she's, she's posturing. Um, I mean, she's, yeah. she's trying to figure out what's going on. And I'm like, calm down. And the cubs kind of ran off. And then she got down in the grass. And was like creeping Ooh. forward, and I was like, "Okay, she puked like a, a chambered one." Um, I mean, because she, she was kind of her behavior was different, yeah. and that, and then she ended up, you know, running away. But like that was probably the most memorable portion of that hunt because we looked at each other. I was like, "I almost got western there, buddy." <laughs> yeah, uh, she almost ended up like the brown bear sow. That story I heard. Yeah. Yeah, you heard that story. I forget the podcast it was on, but dudes were hunting elk and a brown bear sow actually was hunting them. That doesn't surprise me at all. Silent as ever. And they end up dispatching the sow after she tore into them a little bit. And then they had, uh, you know, fish and game come out and they had to put down the cubs, but... I mean, it's unfortunate, but you know, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, even a black bear sow, I mean, can kill you. Yeah, and that's definitely something you've got to do is understand. Uh, for hunting, those are predators coming after you. There's a reason why they say in Yellowstone, maintain what was it, hundred yards away, hundred twenty yards away from predators. Oh, they can close the gap real quick. Oh yeah, brown bear can run thirty five. Yeah. I know black can probably go 25, 35. I mean, I, I haven't had too many encounters with black bear where I was uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. Baiting my stand, my first black bear tag ever. I was running my own bait. I was pretty green to hunting in general. My dad wasn't a hunter, and I asked him when we were up at the cabin. Or, you know, it was, it was time to bait. It wasn't season yet. Did yeah. you want to come with me to bait the stand? And he's like, well, yeah, sure. And we jump in the truck and he's like, you're going to bring a gun? And I was like, nah, I think we're all right. And sure enough, we ended up between style and cubs. Uh, the the mm. cubs went up the tree and he looked at me and he goes, what do we do? And I said, get tall and back up. So like, we both held our mm-hmm. hands up and backed up 
and the, the cub ran down the tree and ran to her and she, ne- she never postured. And, uh, no. you know, so, so they ran off and my dad's like, Oh, and I started walking back towards the bait, which is the direction of the bear. And my dad's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like going to bait my pile. Like he, we're fine now. He was ghost white. Like, and I'm not going to lie. Oh, I mean, I might, I might have needed to change my shorts after it. It, was, it got, got a little sticky, but he couldn't believe that I was going to still bait the, 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 the stump. And I was like, well, we're good now. Yeah. The threat's gone. They went bye-bye. They thought you were not a meal. And they were just being defensive. And yeah. Well, that's generally how it is. Most uh, bear attacks with black bear, uh, 90% of the time, are all defensive. I mean, majority of bear attacks in general are defensive due to a uh, sow and a cubs. Well, that, that same guy. Um, that same Marine, he ended up shooting about, uh, I think it was 298, nice bore, and we shoot it, nice. we are gutting it, and he cuts the heart out and takes a bite of the heart. Mm. And I'm like, bro, uh, you ever heard of trichinosis? And he's like, I'm not very good at math. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so he, he, took a bite, he took a bite right out of the heart, and I was like, oh, okay, that, that, that's on you. He didn't get sick, so... <laughs> Oh, good Lord. Yeah. I would have literally been just like pulled out the phone uh, with clean hands and called and said, yeah, we need to get some trichinosis pills here. Right. <laughs> these are for you on your way. And it's like as a parting gift, start taking these immediately. I mean, I've, Why? I've read somewhere um, Western bears, you know, uh, Rocky Mountain bears carry at a, yeah. at a much higher rate than Midwestern or, you know, Eastern Canada. Uh, but it's still not uh, something I want to risk. No. I'm looking up, do Wisconsin black bears carry trichinosis? <laughs> if, it actually, if it actually does anything. Yeah, trichinosis, if I can spell it. Uh, I mean, anytime uh, I eat cat, anytime I eat mountain lion or bobcat, I mean, I'm definitely... Cooking that well. Cooking it fully. Well done. I think it's a rule with all predators. But I don't see how the trichinosis would get into, well, the heart muscle, because it usually goes for large muscle groups like uh, shoulders, hams, um, brisket, that sort of thing. I, either way, I wasn't. <laughs> that was that was his risk, not mine. Yeah, you're like, don't, 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 don't. Give me some bills. Ate a tongue out of heart. And I'm like, okay. Like, trichinosis pills should be uh, given out in anywhere where bears are around. <laughs> or wasn't there, wasn't there an episode of Meat Eater where uh, Steve Rinaldi and them cooked the bear at the fire and didn't they get it? Yeah, I think they were that episode, and I keep on I'm trying to remember. I think it was 11 guys end up getting trichinosis. I mean, that's, that's worms in your bloodstream. No, thanks. And I think that was a combat veteran that was hunting the bear, too. It might have been. It's been a while since I watched that show. Yeah. Uh, that was, God, that was a while ago. Yeah, I can't even remember the episode. I think that was even before this, he was on Netflix. Yeah. Or that was when they acquired the seasons for Netflix mm-hmm. on Netflix. Yeah, that's there. There's a goal going and being on Netflix in a hunting show. Um, I mean, someday. Yeah, I would definitely be copying how they how they did the job though, which is they leased the rights to the show to it rather than sell the rights to them. I mean, so much more control. I mean, even when you're on uh, one of the networks, I mean, it's it, they get a say in a lot of the stuff. Um, I mean, I'm I'm done with that life. I did I think yeah. three seasons on on network television. Um, you know, I get way less views and way less exposure on YouTube and social media. But I, I I'm the producer. I'm the editor. I'm everything, and I don't answer yeah. anyone except for my boss, which is my wife and. That's just whether I can go or not. <laughs> right. Well, you tried Rumble? Um, You know, I probably should switch over that. Everything is so shadow banned on anything that's owned by Google, anything that's owned by Meta. 
Um, oh, I know my Instagram right now, you know, I, I went, I went from like just starting an Instagram to like 50 K followers in two years. And it's just been stagnant ever since. I'm not doing anything different. You know, every, I still have stuff that goes like semi-viral um, yep. and just stagnant in followers and, and engagement rates are down so much to the point where people that have followed me since the beginning will reach out mm-hmm. to me. They'll, they'll DM me and say, Hey man, like I was wondering where you're at. And I went to your page, you got all this content. I'm like, yeah, I'm still, I mean, they're, they're, they're not putting you in the feed of people that follow you even like that's correct. Oh, I know. I know Facebook will unfriend you with people, even though you're friends with them. Uh, I had issues with Instagram a while back. I mean, I told you about that when it happened and it was a password thing and I never did anything different. It's insane. I mean, they wonder why yeah. their overall engagement and user rate is just dropping like crazy. Yeah. So what you, you keep screwing people, just let it, let, you know, let the hashtags work, let people organically find what they, they want to find. Yeah. I mean, and it they, said you got people. If they unshadow ban me, like it, my account would explode overnight, guaranteed. Uh, I'm been working with the numbers I've been working with the whole time, and I don't even post anything overly weird, bad, or whatnot. So, I mean, they—I think what they want you to do reels now all the time. I, I will get some increased engagement over reels, and I'm, you know, I'm doing that more frequently. Um, I do a lot of cooking stuff with reels. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and now you have to show me how to do reels. I mean, there, there's a couple different programs you can use or apps that will kind of uh, get, get, you know, templates. You still got to mess with them and make sure everything lines up and you may have to yeah. remove one clip and add another one. Cause it's not formatted or, or, you know, like the frame rate isn't, uh, I mean, the, the size yeah. of the screen isn't, isn't matching. Um, but I mean, now when I go shoot a video for an outfitter or for an event, I end up shooting almost equal amount of content on my big cameras as I do on my phone so that I have reels to drop real time. Um, nice. And those are getting more engagement than a, a bigger video that's you know more thoroughly produced and edited. And that's crazy. Right. You drop a 30-second reel. I mean, that, that's part the the algorithm, but that's also part, that's where we are as a society. If, you know, if it's longer than 30 seconds, people stop watching. Oh, I love watching the long format stuff. I hate it when they cut out after 30 seconds. I wish, I, I wish, like, I wish that, you know, I could do reels that were 22 minutes long. They were a full thing, but they, they just, people just swipe, swipe, swipe. Oh, I know. I swipe on the occasion. I'm like, okay, I've seen this or, Oh, that's cool. They're doing this. And if I really am interested in it, you know, then I'll go to the actual post. But I, yeah, I don't know how to do the whole visual, like, you know, us be talking on here, doing like a clip of this and putting it on Instagram for a reel. I mean, you probably need, uh, you know, Final Cut or Adobe, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Premiere Pro to, chop things down and do a, a sizzle reel of, you know, one snippet of the, the conversation that sticks out as a teaser to suck people yeah. into a larger video. Right. But that's just learning how to do things on Instagram. It'd be nice if they were able to actually let you upload files to Instagram and then put them through that. But you can do it if you do it from your desktop or um, uh, laptop. Hmm. Yep, that's the weird part. Is it won't let me on it the la- the desktop, oh. which is the weird part. Yeah, I could be entering all the proper information in on Instagram to get in there, and it won't even let me set it up and hook up and log in. So uh, that's weird. Social media pros, yep. pros and cons. <laughs> yep, but it's the world we live in. So. Right. It don't help that I do a majority of stuff on Instagram, not Facebook. I'm getting more traction on Facebook lately, um, mm. which is weird because it like that was stagnant for a while, and then I mean Instagram was a hot place to go. But the, I mean, I've been reading articles 
on how to increase engagement rate. And a lot of, you know, companies that deal with that, you know, that study algorithms, I've said just the overall user rate is dropping and it's because they keep screwing with the algorithm. People are fed up. Yeah. It literally is, is you have this one system that works and everybody starts using it and then they're like, no, no, no. Yeah, we'll screw with it. We're going to do, yep. New re- new system. We don't like the way this is working. What? You're getting people and traction on your uh, app and you don't like it? Well, they don't like what we post. Yeah. Does it fit their, doesn't fit their narrative or their, what they, you know, their politics yeah. and screw them. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. That's why I've actually been starting to post on Twitter. Really? Yep. Posting episodes coming out on Twitter and everything. And it's just giving traction every so often, you know, slowly but surely building that up. And that's about the same pace as Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> so do what you can do with what you have, pretty much. Right. I mean, unless you want to start a new. New platform. Uh, don't have the money. I don't, I don't either. I don't have the time, money, or interest. No. And there's what? One, two, three, I think four off the top of my head. Four different hunting apps. And none, none of them have taken off. I know we got Go Wild, and those guys are doing well. They got the dreary outdoors app thing, I think. But I think those are the only two that are really doing well. I don't even use either one of them. I got both of them, and I post more to one than the other. So More, more stuff I mean, to spend more time on social media and get yelled at. <laughs> yep. I feel like social media is just a really big trap. I've noticed more... I mean, I get in, I log on, I may scroll a little bit, you know, like stuff that people I want to support post uh, or share that in my stories, uh, check my DMs. But I don't like, I don't go down the rabbit hole as much anymore. I'm just like wasting time on there. Yeah, I need to stop. My wife wants me to and I want to do the business that you need to do on there and then get off. So, uh, you, I know we've talked about it a while back, but, and I know I mentioned it in the start of the podcast about waterfowl. Let's talk about the waterfowl crazy stories you had this past year. Um, so I, in 2011, uh, the Horicon Marsh Veterans Hunt, uh, was the, fulcrum in my life propelling me into uh not just as a hunter but to do it as a career do it as a uh, you know full-time passion um you know i went on that hunt um i posted about it today actually i did a, a reel today about ryan boy yep. he he started that hunt i was in his boat that first year i lost my parents that summer uh two months apart to cancer i mean i was in a bad way and i found waterfall and waterfall hunting duck hunting in general goose hunting um i found it to be um peaceful i found it to be uh, a group activity um you know like to be a good duck hunter you got to be a good jokester trickster bullshit artist storyteller because uh, there's, there's a lot of time to spend in the boat together where there's no action and I just kind of mm-hmm. fell in love with it. And, you know, then I, then I got a gun dog and then I really fell in love with it. Um, you know, and then I lost my gun dog last year and, um, and got the new oh. pup this year and, you know, putting energy into him. I mean, next year is going to be a completely different year. Cause that's basically year one for him. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's that hunt itself just sent me across the entire country chasing birds and, um, I got to go, well, last year we had Savage Arms come in and film a really nice documentary piece. It's on the Savage Journey series on YouTube. It's phenomenal. Watch it if you get a chance. Uh, Joe, yeah. Joe Dickey, the, the videographer, 
is so talented. He wove that story together. Um, it, it's emotional. It's it, it's it's heavy shit, but it's like it tells the story very well. Um, so last year was a full production, and you know, there's 85 vets that come to this. And when I'm running a full production, I don't really get to spend time with them. So this year, I didn't even bring a gun. I brought my puppy, and I hung out with the volunteers. We have over 200 volunteers, including guides. And just got to visit with people. And you know what? Like, I love shooting birds, but like that, that was really important for me to do that. Um, mm-hmm. For to, you know, actually get to spend some time with the people that make this event go, uh, the event that changed my life. Um, so I had, I had that hunt, um, but just, you know, sat back and kicked back and talked to people. But uh, we did Sandhill Crane this year in uh, uh, Lubbock, Texas and absolutely put a hurting on them that is the the best eaten bird the ribeye of the sky i have heard that and i still want to do that now sandhill crane is the ribeye speckle belly goose or the white front of goose or giggle chicken or uh, tar belly bar belly yeah there's all kinds of names for a speck speckle belly is every, yeah. every bit is good it's uh not on everybody's radar like sandhill is um yeah, that is the filet mignon, and actually we just had spe- oh. we had speck leg confet for dinner, cooked in duck fat, slow cooked for six hours. It was phenomenal. Dang, uh, that hunt or those birds were from uh, this la- or the weekend after Thanksgiving down in Arkansas with Luke Dixon. Uh, me and Luke have been working together for almost a decade. He runs his own outfit now, and uh, that man puts you on the birds. We shot a 11 man limit by eight o'clock, and eight o'clock the next day we had a 13 man limit. Uh, just bang, bang, John. When you're done for when you're done in time for breakfast, it's a good day in the field. No kidding. Uh, I know I've my guests have heard me tell stories about my. I think it's three years. I went uh, waterfowl hunting these past two years, but three years running had uh, nothing but bad luck on my waterfowl hunts. So, hopefully, this next year I get to go and actually get a waterfowl for the first time. You're you're in Indiana, right? Yep. I mean, that's not exactly known as. I mean, you're in a weird spot on the flyway. You know, yeah, you've right. got Mississippi flyway and you got Ohio flyway, and like you know, unless you're in the right spot in Indiana, it's tough. Um, you know, so I'm, I'm blessed to get to go chase them, you know, on the X, wherever we go. Uh, yeah. And you know, you, if you travel a little bit out of state and do some of these hunts, I mean, just the hunt we just did in Arkansas, you know, we had two limits by eight o'clock and we had a first time waterfall hunter, a Marine vet. And he's like, this is awesome. And I was like, I'm sorry to tell you that I just ruined your life. You're going to like, I, I just gave you like the best possible hunt. And it's not always like this. <laughs> But I mean, he's no. stoked about it. He, he can't wait to go out and uh, do it, you know, where he lives in, in Houston. Yeah. Yeah, I know Indiana is definitely weird. I mean, I've went out several times, and I think actually only one time I didn't have any accidents. That was good. But, yeah, going out, not a single bird. You're hearing shotgun blasts in the distance, but nothing towards you. I mean, you'll, you'll have those days anywhere. Um, it's just I, yeah. I, I love it so much. I, I chase them all across all across the lower 48 and, and one trip to Alaska. So, Yeah. Well, I'd like to go and get the speckled belly, the sandhill crane, and definitely go up near your work in the woods eventually. I know Wisconsin is one of the mecca places for it. And like you said, Arkansas as well. I mean, that's the central flyway smack dab center but you got you got the missouri river and the ohio river connecting to it too so you got three flyways going all the way down to a, a, a state that that's main agriculture is rice so you've got yep. you know a water you know water-based agriculture and it's it's you can't beat it <laughs> no i mean that's literally grounds for okay guys time to overpopulate right <laughs> and so that's definitely one of those stories. Do you have any uh, notable stories like the – I know when we talked all the way back in May of 2022, you had that story about the uh, poop marsh, but anything uh, notable <laughs> like that? Anything notable like that happened this past year, or was it just mundane duck shooting with limits? That, uh, 
watching uh, you know, Chris, what was his name, uh, fall in through the, yeah. into the poop marsh. I mean, that, that's tough to yeah. beat. That you know, th- yeah. that's the beauty of hunting, though. Like, I mean, yeah, we shot we shot the birds up that day, but like, I don't even like the, the that the hunt's not even going to stick with me. What that that. <laughs> him falling into his armpits in in, in a uh, a cow manure retention pond is that's what I'm gonna remember. Um, that's the th- you could you, yeah you could tell me the story about everybody getting limits that day, but the thing that is memorable is falling uh, shoulder deep into that. <laughs> oh, I mean, I I haven't had anything that crazy happen. No, no, not even close. <laughs> yeah. I've had, well, one of the times I went waterfowl hunting, we went early morning. This is the one where my my uh, wife's car got her before we got my truck, which I got a truck last year. So good luck doing that now. But my wife's back windshield got busted out because some guy was peeling rocks. We were already on the river in the, uh, in the reservoir, and it was low. No wind, no sky, and we get to our area. We end up having to walk because there wasn't enough water. We get everything set up. You know, we wait till 10 o'clock or so, you know, usual amount of time. And then we start heading back. No problems whatsoever. We get to shore. I hop out. I put my phone in a pouch and my waders, and I hop out, and my foot gets stuck, and I just go sideways into the water. And then I pull myself up and like, crap, my phone all right. <laughs> but that's about my only weird story with waterfowl. Is and I, I thought of another one. This was years ago. I don't know if I told this last time. But it also involves poop, surprisingly. Oh. <laughs> so, oh, um, be fun. In northwest Wisconsin, on a lake that has wild rice, uh, for the northern opener, it's usually just an absolute war zone. It's, I mean, it's it just. I mean, there's plenty of ducks to be shot, but it's kind of burnt out after that day until the birds start migrating. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, we shot our limit and we pull back to the boat launch. There's one boat launch. So, I mean, there's five or six guys pulling boats and people are trading stories and yucking it up. And then all of a sudden this boat feels around the corner of this island and he's got a hand tiller and he's he's got her pinned, like just pinned. He's motoring as fast as he can and he's coming up to the launch. And like, I'm like, is this dude gonna stop? Nope. I don't think he is. It was like uh, Evil Knievel, Dukes of Hazard. He hits the the launch, like doesn't stop. Beaches his boat, jumps out, doesn't even run to the woods, rips his waders off, and relieves himself oh. <laughs> <laughs> in, in front of everyone. <laughs> oh. I mean, you had you know eight groups of guys standing there that they're bullshit and that don't even know each other just die and laughing because we've all been there you know like it, 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 it was gonna oh, yeah. happen it was gonna happen now all right he, he might have wrecked his prop i don't even know like he did <laughs> he didn't care yeah, we're, we're, we're beating like I'm, I, yeah it's like we're already on shore we'll get the boat into into the uh trailer and i'll fix the prop later you ever seen those one video? I think it was on Facebook. It was a reel or something. Yeah, one of those social media sites I was scrolling through, and dudes had a boat tied down, but they didn't have the prop popped up. Yeah. So, so that thing's just spinning on <laughs> asphalt. Sparking. And, oh, you're just seeing it slowly get ground down to a pulp. I mean, you can just tell it's already lost an inch on every single thing. <laughs> it's like, I hope to God this guy's got a, uh, a replacement in, in his truck because he ain't going to have much uh, get up and go with that. <laughs> so how's your uh, little mo- little uh, boat motor going there? Full throttle and you're making two <laughs> knots? <laughs> Just got her t- full tilt, and he's just putting. <laughs> oh, good lord! Yeah, that's great for when you want to keep a fish at bay, but you don't want to do that when you're trying to travel. <laughs> it's, it's a tr- it's a trolling motor now. Yeah, pretty much a full powered. Uh, what was it? Seven seven cc horsepower, or seven? Is it seven cc or seven horsepower? Trolling motor. <laughs> it's a gas powered troller now. 
So, how is uh, hunting cranes different than hunting, hunting uh, waterfowl? Um, well, they're not considered waterfowl, even though they're on the uh, uh, the list. They're on the list of the waterfowl grand slam. Um, they are very fickle. Um, a lot of guys. I mean, everybody's using full bodies decoys, but a lot of guys mm-hmm. will get fully taxidermied birds to put in there with, uh, to, you know, to get those mature birds to come in. Uh, they're, they're tough. Um, you know, like you, it, they're deceivingly fast. Um, you know, mm-hmm. you shoot and, you, you know, you're duck hunting, you shoot, you can, you know, fold a bird or two or, you, you know, you dust them and they mm-hmm. catch a BB in the head and they're dead. I mean, you've got this big long neck um you know so most people are aiming somewhat close to a body of a duck and uh with this neck i mean you you got a small little window and um mm-hmm. you know, a lot of them are uh still very much alive when they hit the ground and they'll put uh it's called rec specs i believe they put these goggles on the dogs uh when they're going to retrieve because if a crane still got a lot of energy he will try to poke the eyes out of the dog oh dang there's some battles out there. Yeah. I bet you they had to learn that the hard way over time. I mean, you'll see guys post stuff too. Like they go out there and these cranes are alive. You'll see guys do the baseball swing with the uh, shotgun, which I get why they're doing it. I mean, to put a crane down as they're going to, you know, pick up cripples. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just not going to put that out there, you know? Yeah. It, 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 it doesn't, Pass the eye test, you know, even though it's a necessity. Yeah, it's definitely different. I wouldn't have thought to use the baseball swing with a shotgun to kill them or dispatch it. I would have thought they actually brought a baseball bat with them. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, it, I mean you got to put the bird down. <laughs> it's crippled. It's. I mean, it's going to die, and, and you know. It, you're still within your limits, so you just got to dispatch the bird as efficiently as possible. Yeah. Not something you want to post on social media for the uh, the fans of no. the antis. I mean, that's just like uh, the example I always use is hog dogging. We do a lot of hog dogging now. It's something I'm absolutely addicted to. Um, you know, for those that don't know, you're using hounds to bay up a, a boar hog that you catch with a pit bull and then you put it down with a knife or a spear. Uh, any hog dog video content I put out, everybody knows what's going on. Uh, mm-hmm. I've cut it right at the point of insertion or the point of penetration of the knife because you're, I mean, you're, you're, you're trying to stab the heart and it gets a little gory. It, 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 it will dispatch a hog faster than a, a bullet. Will. Um, but it, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's gory stuff and it, yeah. it, that doesn't need to be put out there for the people that, we don't that that don't understand. Um, yeah, you know, like it, uh, it. It those are the same people too that will write on my you know page. Oh, you uh, female anatomy part. <laughs> you, you 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 wuss. Uh, you know, you coward. You killing an animal with a gun and then you kill it with a knife. And they're like, this is appalling. And I'm like, okay, you know, like, you're never you're never gonna you're never gonna. No, you go. F- yeah, you go from two different settings. It's like either you're not close enough or you're too close. I mean, what's a good way to kill an animal? Yeah, it's like Quickly. one's not sa- yeah, one's not manly enough. The other one's not savage. Is too savage. Yeah. The, the fastest way to kill an animal is quickly, quickly and efficiently. I mean, it's for the least yeah. amount of pain to the animal. Yep, I know. I was up, we had a tractor supply come into my town uh, recently, and they have those uh, spears on sale at their place, and you look at the blade, and that dang thing's as big as my dang hand. Oh, yeah. It uh, it, it, it gets the job done. i definitely probably use a home, one of the uh, more sturdy blades than the ones that you get from the store, though. Uh, I think Gerber makes one. Um, and then they yeah. do a nice job. I mean, it's like fully forged, you know, it, it's, and then yeah. it, you get the heart, it's game over in six seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I'll take Pearson that. Yeah. I, I learned that the, 
I got some new broadheads this year. I know we're switching subjects again, which always fun. I'm going back to deer hunting. Uh, I got some new broadheads from Exact Archery. Uh, this was back when uh, Indiana Deer Waterfowl and Turkey Expo, oh, wa- Deer Turkey and Waterfowl Expo, was back in February of this year. I went down and I got some broadheads from him, and I'm never switching back. You like them that much? Oh, four blades, stainless steel. This thing went through, and I'm using a crossbow, and the doe, she blew at me and left, came back and left, and then I buck grunted, and she came back again within range. I shot through her shoulder and lung, and it came out through her stomach on the other side. Like through the scapula and everything. It, it yeah, went through the whole scapula and stayed in her for the most part. She went 40 yards and dropped. I then used that same broadhead and bolt to drop my buck this year. Awesome. That thing, the blade wasn't deformed. The broadhead wasn't be- – none of it. Is it, uh, it was uh, heavy granage or just – it hundred grain. Really? Yeah. Obviously the bolts are denser than arrows, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it went through two deer and didn't do a sing- single thing. I mean, I haven't been able to recover this one. I shot the bolt through the buck and yeah, I haven't been able to recover the bolt yet. So I don't know what it did, but huh. I mean, yeah, going through the scapula is one yeah. imp- impressive feat. And this was at least a two, two and a half year old deer. The first one I got. So, I mean, she gave me 35 pounds of meat, so. There you go. Then he gave me 65. That'll, that'll make some burgers. Burgers, brisket. Deer brisket, huh? I did Hulk. I'm trying, I'm going to do something different this year. I got ribs and brisket from. When I took him to the when I took him to the processor, I wanted brisket and ribs because I wanted to do those specialty cuts because I wanted to experiment this year. No, I, I cooked. Uh, I got brisket out of my bison and I cooked that, which is super similar to cooking beef, but it's just leaner. So there was some modifications to you know instructions on temperature. Uh, but yeah. uh, I've never done a deer brisket. I'm, I'm really interested in uh, uh, doing those tomahawk chops. With the, the the back strap on it, it's just a little more of an extensive. I mean, if, if I've got a deer that goes down, that you know, I can get a side by side to instead of you know doing some of the cutting in the field. I would definitely be interested in doing it. Now I have to put that on the list of things I'm going to try next year. Well, actually, I've got one doe tag left, and I saved it, and I can only use it for muzzleloader this year on public. So. I might try and get some tomahawks. Yeah, it's, it's on my list of things to do. I mean, I've saved ri- right. ribs out of bear. I've saved ribs out of uh, boar. I mean, there's not a whole lot of meat on them, on a, you know, wild animals. There's not a bunch of fat. Um, yeah. They, but like the rib, ribs from the boar, um, just uh, did like a heat and sweet. And uh, it, it was a good appetizer. It, it was a lot of work. For a little bit of a meat. little bit of meat, but I mean, I'm, I'm getting into a lot more nose to tail eating. Um, I mean, definitely starting mm-hmm. to eat organs a lot more. I mean, I always ate heart, but saving livers and um, just, I mean, I mean, I'm surprised, you know, being a waterfaller first, how many guys don't save the legs and thighs, and like that's the best meat if you cook it right. Yeah, I think I. Well, my wife, we had some broiler chickens we harvested this past year, and we got, and I didn't, I just skinned it out, and I took the legs, the breasts, the thighs, the, and I, I think I saved the wings on it because they weren't really worth a dang. Yeah. But I mean, I've got I've yeah. got speckle belly uh, legs on the on the burner right now, cooking slow. Nice. Yep. I have venison steak in the fridge, and I've been slowly putting off, taking off of that. They give you the processor I go to. They cut the back ham, and you know, 
bone saw it into sections and they're big one pound steaks but the membrane connecting certain groups is just so flimsy you might as well cut those off and give yourself six eight ten ounce steaks pretty much have you ever tried uh smoking backstrap and then reverse searing <sighs> i haven't done that with the backstrap yet I've done uh, venison Wellington with it. Oh, that sounds good. The only way I would was able to get my wife to eat mushrooms. There you go. There you go. Did that with a uh, tablespoon of two tablespoons of red wine, sweet red wine. Put it in there, mix it up. You know the whole spiel to make that, and then put it on the smoker slash grill for four hundred degrees till the internal one thirty five. So the the smoke backstrap, like I'll cut them, I'll cut them into halves lengthwise, see, mm-hmm. or or to try to make them uniform in in you know in girth, uh, you know, marinate them in whatever you, you want, a little bit of seasoning, uh, but it's like two fifty for less than an hour to get it to one fifteen, one twenty ish, and then you pull it and immediately hot sear and i won't eat it any other way it's perfectly cooked all the way through with a nice crust nice yeah i know i got the master built 560 and it's got a cast iron grate system so all i have to do is go from the 250 or 225 or so pump it up to 500 that thing is searing i don't even have to have it on anymore i can turn the whole thing off and i can just sear it awesome there's also the reason why I want to turn it off is usually if I do burgers or something beforehand, something with a high fat content, I get a grease fire. I bet. <laughs> then you're definitely getting that lovely sear. Oh, <laughs> it's on. Okay. Sear, crust, crust. Ooh, perfect. We're done. Perfect. Like take everything off and just get that for the fireball. Kevin, uh, I know we've, we've talked about a lot of things, including food now. There you go. <laughs> so what holds in the future i know you got two years out with the bear tags but any new plans any new adventure style things going on with um, the next? i mean just in the upcoming year. months i'm taking most of december off uh, hanging out with the fam uh doing the christmas thing uh january i gotta go down to florida same guys to do the hog dog with in central florida uh I try to get my fulvis whistling duck yet uh, it's one of two birds i have left for the grand slam uh once that's in the bag um next year my dog should be ready um gonna go after red breasted merganser to finish out the grand slam hopefully that's one of his first retrieves that'd be pretty cool um nice and then february well january 2 i'll probably go back down to arkansas with luke and uh Film some more speckle belly and uh, February's snow goose season. And then March, I got Osceola turkey in Florida and then hog dogs. I mean, I'm jammed up to March. April will do turkey here. And then May, I'm going to Africa for three weeks. Ooh, nice. Um, going back for another black uh, impala? No, no black impala. Uh, I already got that on the wall. I, I don't, I'll probably only shoot one or two things. It, it, depending um i'm gonna be there filming and you know getting things going um yeah. for a new operation and um <laughs> nyala is on my list that is that mm. they're a pretty pretty animal um but i've got yeah. i think we've got like 15 clients coming and um, they've got a whole list of uh target animals so we'll be busy anybody with disability what's that Anybody with disabilities coming? Oh, uh, I don't know. I haven't even looked at the client list, really. Right. I mean, it, huh? anytime you get to go to Africa, though, uh, I mean, it could be your last, uh, you know, barring life circumstances, barring poli- political circumstances over there. Uh, it's just a, yeah. a blessing to get to go. And it's not lost on me that most people don't get to go once. And I, I try to enjoy every second over there. I get up early. Uh, it's not a very uh, fast-paced hunt. You know, usually your yeah. hunting schedule is get up, eat breakfast. It's not like go sit in a tree, stand in the dark, and wait for the sun to come up. I mean, you just kind of go at your own pace all day and come back for lunch, take a nap, and go back out in the afternoon and eat dinner. Uh, but I'm up 
I'm up when the sun comes up and just, uh, you know, there's some places we'll have like a, a stock trout pond. I'll go wet a line and, you know, you're, you're fishing. And the, the sun's coming up over the acacia trees and you're, you're catching brown trout or rainbows or whatever. And there's a zebra standing behind you. You're like, okay, this is pretty cool. You yeah. know? Right. I know I talked to a previous guest. He's just been on recently, Justin Gordy, uh, from Intuit Out Outdoors, and he got a trip to go to Africa, and he's wheelchair bound. So, Heck yeah, that's definitely something I'm happy for the guy to do. I know Africa's on my list, but then again, everything else is on my yeah. list as well. So, if I had enough money, I'd, everything would be on my list. Pretty much Alaskan moose, whitetail, blacktail, coos, every single turkey on the list. Yeah. Well, the, the, but, the last hunt we had uh, in Texas for the whitetail, we had two amputees, single leg amputees. Uh, those guys are yeah. pretty mobile, though. I mean, it, it, it shocks a lot of people that haven't been around it. Um, you know, like they, if they wouldn't have their pant leg up, you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the technology and the prosthetics these days is, is so impressive that, um, I mean, and, and a lot of it's their mindset though, too. These guys refuse to be beat. They refuse to be, you know, pitied upon. They refuse to let it like stop them from doing things. I mean, one of the guys ran a marathon without even training and I was like, how was that? And he goes, terrible. <laughs> I can imagine so. He's like, my leg was bleeding, my stump was bleeding. You know, and I was like, well, yeah, most people train for these things that have two good legs, bud. Yeah, I know. That's just like, oh, I'm going to be doing this and this and this. And that's just amazing. I know I had, uh, it was a while back. I'm trying to go through and figure it out. And I'm having one of those days. But yeah. Yeah, I can't. Even, Aaron Ritter is his name. He has a uh, non-profit called Limitless Outdoors, uh, another veteran, helping veterans thing. He's a Navy, former Navy OD who lost his leg, and dude has a peg leg. Uh, on purpose? On purpose, <laughs> a wooden peg leg. And, and I'm not kidding you, he took it to graduation it's in the story and everything you want to check it out it's going limitless in the outdoors there in ritter it's previous episode uh, that, I mean, all the way back in I asked all the way back purpose, in August. That, that's such a that's such a vet thing to do like you know like oh he literally had a guy this is for his retirement ceremony he had a former props guy a friend of his get the wood from his native washington Make the peg leg, and this thing is actually pretty massive and bulky. It's not like, you know, the weak things they show on TV. And had to put an actual cannonball in the leg itself. Tell me he has a parrot. I don't think he has a parrot, unfortunately. But I, I told him Halloween would be fun if you do that on the occasion. That's awesome. I love that. I mean, that's it right there. That's 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 in a nutshell. You know, just being being ridiculous and over the top. And this is why I like having veterans as friends because they have the funnest stories. I mean, I, when I still drank, I, I drank I drank a lot of beers out of people's legs before the technology changed. When it used to be just like a socket. <laughs> I worked at a bar in Milwaukee that had a deal. It was like a Wednesday night deal. You bring it, we'll fill it for a dollar. And my buddy walks in and he's like, I didn't bring anything. And I was like, you got your leg just jokingly. And they, they filled it up a beer and we drank out of it. <laughs> That's definitely different. <laughs> had, that, had that nice uh, stump sweat uh, aftertaste. <laughs> <laughs> Chase it with some vodka. <laughs> he had it, he had that thing down. I mean, it's, a, it's this rubber mold, uh, pliable yet hard at the same time. Um, where if he would loosen it a little bit, he'd walk down the street and then he'd just kick his leg and then his leg would fly off. You'd hear like a punk and it would just spiral across the street. But you'd do this, like, you know, people are walking and so you just kick his leg off and pretend like he, you know, like it wasn't supposed to happen. Yeah. Well, that's definitely one way to get people's attention. <laughs> so 
do you want to tell my guests on how, where to reach you? Uh, everything's under Ryan off the grid, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, um, you know, do a lot of the, uh, I mean, most of my content on YouTube is, is a full on film of the, uh, each veteran hunt event. Um, but Instagram, probably my best way to get a hold of me. I, I do respond to everybody. If you got questions, you need to, uh, uh, a suggestion for an outfitter for a dream hunt you got going on. If I haven't gone on it, I know somebody that does it that I trust. And mm-hmm. um, let, let's get people out there and connected. All right. Well, thank you, Ryan, for coming on and being the guest. It, again, it's been a fun blast. And I know we, it's been a long time coming. And it's great catching up with you. And if you want to catch any of my episodes on any of the social any any recording platform that you know of we got 66 going on 67 with ryan here and you can also catch us on carbon tv now so and slowly working into youtube and and uh rumble so awesome thank yep thank you ryan for coming on and being the guest and remember everybody stay adaptive thanks buddy